This is a loving robot podcast, recounting tales from EverQuest directly from the people who worked on it. And now here's your host, Sean Lord. It's good to see you, dude. It's been quite a while. You as well. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been quite some time. You 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 still look like a Q. Like <laughs> just, as soon as you popped up, I'm like, dude. I look at I look at old pictures of myself, and like I've I feel I feel a hundred years older, man. Like I I. I look at, you know, pictures from 10, 15 years ago. I, I shaved just I, mostly for this, but also just to get rid of my quarantine face. And there's just <laughs> so much gray down in my beard and up on top of my head. Like, I, I it's good to know that <laughs> you've always been a little salt and pepper, though. That's true. Weren't That's you? weird. Yeah, yeah. I think I started getting gray hair when I was like 14. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you still look like you as well. Uh, dude. So... All right. Um, there was already a question, and so maybe you can answer it as part of your who you are, um, mm-hmm. because I've seen your NPC in game already when I went through the tutorial. But yeah, just tell us who you are. What was your GM name? How you got to be at like SOE, and then let's let's go through your bio. Yeah. So uh, my GM name was Lindro, uh, and I still I still keep that to this day. Sometimes with an H on the end. It, uh, I got it when I, so I started in customer service. I'm sure you've heard this a lot. Um, but, uh, I moved down, I went to school up in Berkeley and I moved down here to get married. My wife is from San Diego. Um, and, uh, I was playing a ton of EverQuest, like, like most of us, I imagine. And a guildmate worked at SOE and she's like, you love the game. You know, the game, you should come be a GM. Um, and so I did, I, I applied and, uh, I, I got the job. I knew a ton about the game. Um, uh, so I nailed the interview, I think. And I was a GM for a couple of years. I was GM of Ravozek for a little while. Um, and then I got into the apprentice program and, uh, and I came through there. But, oh, I, I know what I was going to say. My GM name. So um, Alan Crosby, who was the head of customer service at the time, he's like, what's your name going to be? I'm like, I'm like, shit, I have to. Oh, sorry. I don't know if I can swear on this. No, you, you can. It's fine. Okay, good. All right. Yeah, perfect. Uh, I need to come up with a name. Like, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that at all. Like, I know some people have, like, names that they use. And I've got, like, my, my play names, but I didn't have any, like, a GM name picked out. So I'm like, well, crap. And so I just, like, I started writing letters down. Like, I, I guess I'll be Landro. And I have been Lindra ever since. Um, oh, yeah. So... Um, Back to my bio. I um, I came through the apprentice program, um, and my my apprenticeship was a little different, I think, than most people's. Like they, I know a bunch of you did like the part time apprentice where you worked just overtime hours, but um, me, uh, Jason Miller, and Jason Mash were part of like a pilot apprentice program where they they took us full time. You guys took us full time because it was it was after everyone left, and so you guys were trying to trying to staff back up and trying to get mm-hmm. bodies back in and trying to teach people again. Um, and so we were full-time apprentices. Um, but th- I think the plan was supposed to be that we would do like a three month apprenticeship and then we'd go back to customer service if it didn't work out. But I remember like two months in, uh, Fister comes up to us and he's like, Hey, so they filled your, your spots down in customer service. So if this thing doesn't work out, you guys won't have jobs. We're like, Oh crap. <laughs> I guess <laughs> the pressure is on. <laughs> yeah. I guess, guess it's on. Um, 
Yeah, we actually first we did. Do you remember Legend Server, the like premium EQ server? So Legends has come up a few times, and I remember, I remember the initiative. I remember it being sort of the way it came up because I thought that it wasn't necessarily a team thing. I thought it was like a company thing. I think it, I, 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 and the team was kind of like, huh. Yeah, I was junior at the time. Like I was in customer service when it started, but uh, me, Jason, and Jason, we we were our the first part of our apprenticeship was writing custom content content for the Legend server. So we were building like lo- little custom events and custom quests and stuff just for just for Legends players. Yep, I, I'm being. I, you know what? I, I, I got to watch whether or not I need to do this. I'm being very diplomatic now that I remember the origins of that because i remember it coming up and i remember us going huh you're doing what um yeah so okay i'm glad you mentioned because people had asked about it and i was like i don't know how that happened or what the details were but yeah yeah Yeah, it was a it was kind of an awkward thing right like it's yeah i mean I, i understand like it's 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 a now that we live in such a free to play world um, it doesn't feel as awkward as it did then, right? Because that's what essentially what what most free to games, free to play games are now, right? Like you can play for free, or you can pay a little money and you get some premium service out of it. So Legends was kind of the an early foray into that into that game space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where our reaction to a lot of stuff back then maybe wasn't ideal. Like mm-hmm. somebody was Frank, I think. Or no, Zaid was asking in chat before this is like, are we going to see Azaleel's rage? I'm like, no, I've mellowed out quite a bit. But, you know, like back then, it's like, you're doing what? What? You had an idea and it wasn't ours? Bah! Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like even today, that's kind of our job as designers, right? Like it's, it's, it's our job. To, I, I don't know how to put this. I, I imagine that there's like that a game gets made and there are all of these kind of opposing forces that kind of they push and they pull against each other. And when they're in balance, you end up with the, with this really beautiful product at the end. And uh, and as a as a developer, as a game designer, it's kind of your job to hold this pillar of like of like fun and of the integrity of the game. And you can't always win, but you have to fight like you're going to win, right? And so and so while I feel like we weren't always right i feel like we were doing what we needed to do for to keep everyone honest right because if we just pull over and let you know one of the other forces i think is marketing right like if we roll over and let marketing do all the things they want to do right they 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 bleed the game right so we need to we give them a little they give us a little like and we just kind of like push and pull so I think that rage is good. Like, I think it's, I think it's important. I, I do agree that the tension is critical, uh, but I, I have learned that the rage, uh, uh, when needed, That's when needed, it's fine. But man, I, I had to, right. You need to push. You don't need to be angry about pushing. <laughs> I just had to rein that shit in. Uh, so, but it helps when you get older, the gray beard. Yeah, um, it does. So, all right, dude. So that was your origin. That's how we got you on the team, mm-hmm. right? And I remember that period. And it's it's funny you mentioned Mash and Miller. It's it's yeah. cool because um, I forgot that you guys came together. But I remember each individual. Um, 
All right. So then you're on the team, and that was essentially like that was planes of power, basically. Yeah. Like, uh, we, I mean, planes of power was so crazy because uh, we were all like just we were all way in over our heads, right? Like we we were just like they're just like here you go, here's an expansion, and and just make it. And I I. I think we hit it out of the park. Like I'm going to pat us on the back probably harder than we deserve. But like that was, that was some kind of groundbreaking content, right? Like we, we, we had uh, a story arc, right? And it was the first time, at least in an EverQuest expansion, probably any MMO expansion, we had like a really tight, story arc where the players could play through it and we might not have done that in all of the best ways possible but we didn't have any framework right we didn't have we didn't have anyone anyone to follow for that right and um and we during pop like scripting was coming online right we went from from the old style like invisible shout system to having actually actually be able to like code a little bit and so and so in pop we really got to kind of experiment and push the limits with what we could do with raids and with encounters and again we probably missed the mark a little bit like some of that some of that shit was way harder than it needed to be but um but we but we did it without without any real guidance right like we were we were it. I mean, I, I applaud what, like, who would lead? It was you and Rich, and was Jake a lead? Back? Yeah, Jake was a lead. Because uh, yeah. it was I mean, kind of that, that, we had that weird, like, expansion live division with me mm-hmm. and Jake, uh, but it was before we had, like, the concept of, like, systems lead versus content or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. You guys, you guys did, a, did a great job when you were just kind of, like, tossed into the fire, right? Like, you... I don't know how much lead stuff you had done before that, but like you guys seem like they just kind of like fed you to the wolves and they're like, make an expansion, go for it. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. There was, there was no, I mean, my only leadership, like I, I was a year into the industry. Like I was yeah. a year, year and a half into the industry when I was, you know, uh, a lead on pop and my previous, I guess, leadership experience was three years in the army. That's about it, dude. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, it was it was wild, and so yeah, I, on pop, I did. Um, I was still I was still pretty junior, but like I did. Um, man, I did a I did a, a few of the raids. I didn't have any of the big ones, but like I did like the boar master and um I did like I can't even remember it, some of the fight some of the other fights in Planet Tactics and some fights in Planet Storms and stuff. So Yeah. I'm the same way. I can't remember any of the crap I worked on for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like it's slowly just been coming to me. Yeah. Yeah, every All right. once in a while, like I come across like a document that I'd written that's like sitting in the bottom of a drawer. I'm like, holy shit, I worked on that. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, what I like, so there was pop, um, mm-hmm. and then subsequent expansions leading up to like when those of us are those of us that were sort of pulled off the team, like right around like the beginning of gates. Uh, yeah. Me, Scott, Rich, uh, maybe a couple others. So there's like that period where we did Pop, we did uh, Legacy, um, or did Akesha, did Eldon. Um, so after that, like it gets foggy for me. 
Um, so, I mean, feel free to talk about whatever and I'll keep an eye on chat for questions. Um, the, and I'll just sort of chime in when we have it. But the, the, the thing I would say is I'm also very interested in just kind of understand what happened after and then where you went because you left and then you came back. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, after, oh man, uh, Gates was another kind of wild ride. Like you, they pulled, it was when did they they pulled you guys off right after we launched Eldon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, had you had you worked on on any of the Gates planning stuff? Like, had you gotten into the? Were you early planning on it, or did they pull you like right afterwards? So all I remember from Gates was some initial concept stuff where we had talked about like where do you go, like. What would what would be kind of the thing that would be a challenge after the gods, or how do we evolve it? Uh, and then, right. yeah. and I know I was really crazy on like you know this. What about like this discordant sort of reality, or there's like this you know like the unraveling of the universe, blah blah blah. Like, and so that would be even that would be crazier than the planes. And then how do we develop that? And then there'd be like discord elves and you know like or chaos elves and all this. And then I remember it was just like that seed that we always had when we were starting an expansion where we would like come up with some nonsense that would just kick it off. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, just just on that note, I was. Looking back, I'm still amazed at how quickly we would come up with a concept and turn it into like, this will be the expansion, just sort of kind of start to harden it. You know, within a week, we'd be like, all right, so this will be Eldon, right? Um, And so it was like really early in that part of it. And then we got just sort of yeeted off the team and... um, and then I know that uh, that uh, Stone was the art director and started like the concepts and stuff that were coming up were like crazy dark. And it was like, oh, this yeah, seems like it'll be I, cool. Yeah, I, I know some people don't love the the darkness of of Gates, but I'm, I'm I'm personally a huge fan of it. Like I liked I I liked how alien it felt. Right. Like I dug how it how those invaders, they they didn't feel like Norath. Right. And, but they weren't supposed to feel like Norath. And, um, and I heard some, someone at some point say that the, that the creatures felt mean spirited and, and they said that in, in a negative way, but I think that's kind of what the intention was behind them was for them to feel alien and mean. Um, uh, and so I, 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 understand what people dislike about gates and omens and that whole that whole thread but um uh but i i always i i appreciated working in that space it was fun to to uh kind of let go of the shackles of D and and really kind of dig into some other stuff yeah and, and i i think that's kind of where we were at too is uh, during that period we're we're just in a different headspace than I am now. Like looking back, like you know, if, if I were to tell myself like what to do back then, it'd probably probably stay more in like the EQ and D and D and yeah. But at the time, it's like we were all constantly trying to chart new ground and do cool shit. Um, we've got a question that came in from Kemp here. It says, "Was Gates of Discord meant to be that difficult? So many players left because the content was mostly impossible." 
<clears throat> so um, Gates of Discord what it had it had so many things going against it like and this is going from memory so don't take anything i say here as gospel but uh from from what i remember gates of discord had um there was the first there was a, there was supposed to be a level cap increase and the level like either we removed the level cap increase or we decreased the level cap increase and so like kind of the end, end of the content ended up being tuned higher than we intended it to be because mm-hmm. we expected people to be higher than they ended up being. Um, but the other thing, and I think the real problem was we had to roll out, <clears throat> we had to roll out an engine upgrade. We were going to like DirectX 7 or something. Um, and so we had all of these features that we needed to, to roll in visually in, into gates. Um, and... Uh, and we couldn't get people to test, right? Like we couldn't get bodies in. Like people would, guilds would show up on the day to help like raid test our content. And one of them would be able to get in because like uh, upgrading to, from DirectX 6, DirectX 7, I think it was, it was just a nightmare, right? And everyone had to, had to do it to get the raid in. And like, so it wasn't intended to be that hard, but like it, it had so many strikes working against it. Um yeah dude and testing testing that stuff is super hard um because you've got to get all the bodies and they've got to be bodies that have worked together they can raid together all of that it was always difficult if you've got that type of tech challenge that's going to be a problem and the thing is and people i think are starting to forget this fact back then we had to put a box on the shelf and the people that wanted those boxes on their shelves did not want that date to move. Right. And uh, because I've kind of forgotten about it now and because it's been so long and like you just had to get it done when people are like, we didn't have that sort of, we'll release it when it's ready opportunity. We didn't, but we did have one thing going for us. I think uh, uh, more of the gaming industry is getting, but a lot of it didn't have then, which is our gold masters were meaningless, right? Like we had to put a disc in a box, but like that disc, all that disc had to do was download something, right? Like, <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, most games, your gold master has to be most of your game, right? Like you could do a day zero patch, but you aren't putting any art in that day zero patch, right? That's, that's true. So, so we did have, we had a little bit of wiggle room that most people don't have. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because as soon as you said that, I realized a lot of what I was saying was kind of BS. It was negated. Cause I, I remember luckily and some other stuff where it's like, yeah, the art was there. The zone was there. The mobs may not have been in the zone until people were walking around going, why is there nothing in the zone? And then the zone drops and comes back up and all of a sudden it's populated. Um, yeah, dude. So, Let's see. I'm going to I'm chat. I'm going to keep an eye on chat for questions. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, but we're going to keep rolling. Um, yep. Hey, everybody that's coming in. Um, Mecca, Sinister, everybody else. Thanks for being here. Um, I will say that um, we I don't I don't see anything beyond Kemp. I remember uh, a CMVs. The CMVS Kiv, something completely normal mob, hits you for 2,700 per tick dot. Kind of hard to deal with that at uh, 9,000 hit points. Uh, yeah. Gates of Discord. Yeah. Um, and then, so Frank the Bank asks, so you worked all the way until Seeds of Destruction-ish. 
I worked I worked until I think I left midway through Dragons of Norath and went to EverQuest 2. Um, and so I was on EverQuest, I was on EQ2 um, shortly after launch um, of EQ2. And so I worked on their first expansion. Um, and then I was a lead, I was an assistant lead, they call it, on EQ2 for a little bit. And then I was a lead on EQ2 for a couple expansions. Um, and then I left EQ2 after their um, Fadeware expansion, and I went to Obsidian and worked on, um, I worked on, I left, I left to go to Obsidian to work on a Aliens game. Um, mm. It would have been, been super cool. I'm sad that that thing, that thing died, but essentially it was like a, um, it was like, uh, it was like Mass Effect, but with like, but with Ridley Scott Aliens. Um, it was a, it was a cool concept. Interesting. Um, yeah. Um, uh, but that game got canceled, and then I worked on Fallout New uh, Fallout New Vegas um, and the DLC for that game. I got laid off from there, came back to uh, SOE, and uh, came back onto EQ2 and worked on EQ2 as, as lead designer for a little bit. And then uh, I became creative director of EQ and EQ2 for a little bit back there as well. And then they got bought by Daybreak, and I got laid off. So I went to um, Disney. Disney had a little mobile studio in uh, Solana Beach. Uh, I worked on a mobile game, which was it was pretty fun. It was um, it was the first time I worked on a game that my wife was interested in playing, which was okay. a really cool experience for me. Um, uh, it was kind of a mixed bag because I've never had to like go home and be like, "Why is this thing bugged?" I've never had to had a player in my house with me. Um, but I, I I enjoyed that. That game got canceled, studio closed down, um, and now I'm at uh, I'm at Intrepid, uh, working on Ashes of Creation. Um, we had a battle royale that um, that we. Um, I don't know the the right way to to say this. Um, uh, we ended early access for and maybe bringing back a little later. Okay, uh, but now we're working on the MMO proper again. Cool, cool dude. Yeah. So the the question that came up while you were giving your background there is, um, what did you do on Omens of War and Dragons of Norris? Don was Dragons I of Norris, right? Oh, I don't remember what I worked on on Dawn. Like Dawn was, man, Dawn was kind of a uh, Dawn was 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 tough for me personally. Like it was just, it was like I was kind of done with with EverQuest, and so I'd kind of like checked out, and I was already slated to move over to EQ2, but. Um, but they wouldn't let me go until I did some stuff. I can't even remember what stuff I had to do, but like I was, I was only mentally 30% there for dragons of Norath. And so it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fuzzy. I don't even remember what, um, but omens, I don't remember all of the things I did in omens, but I did do, um, I did do all of anguish, which was the end and raid there. I was about to say, if you didn't remember that, I was going to bring it up cause I remember you doing that. Yeah. I, I, that was, um, that was some of the most fun I ever had making raid content. Like, uh, it was, it was too hard. Um, 
kind of universally across the board, but it was it was a lot of fun to like. I got to, I just got to do lots of fun stuff in that zone, and I I really I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, dude, it's it's one of those things where a lot of people have mentioned. So you you may be seeing in chat like um, a lot of people have said like. Uh, that they they they've loved anguish right like in yeah. uh, keeps just said anguish is uh one of the best raid zones the game ever saw kudos right so yeah, that was that was it was uh i remember the last fight um uh Mon Maram, they uh we i built it but it it was like it was this it was a huge collaborative effort, right? Like I, I remember just sitting down cause everyone, we wanted the end of the expansion to be epic. Right. And so it was all the designers kind of like coming up with ideas and figuring out how to make this last fight fun. And so even though I built it, it felt like it was something that everyone helped make cool. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciated and enjoyed that. It was, it was very collaborative and, um, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people have asked about the that period, Gates of Discord and Anguish. Uh, I mean, um, and Omens. Um, and it's weird because I actually, when when we were ta- thinking about Omens, I, I, I then especially I didn't remember Anguish's name. When people mentioned Anguish, I was like, okay, first of all, I remember Akil doing it. And then I was like, Madam Maram, how do I know that dude? You know, like, how do I know that name? It's mm-hmm. so weird that these things pop back. But a lot of people ask about that period because they're like, well, what happened with the expansions? And we have like Gates and then we have Omens. And yeah. what, what, you know, Scott and Rich and I have mentioned since then was, dude, we had a fairly junior team. Even when we were like really starting to get our rhythm through like Eldon to just have the the leadership of this still fairly young team, well, very young team, but fairly sort of gelling team, get moved over the course of literally three days. You know, it's like yeah. we, we came back on a Monday and it's like, hey, you're moving now. Um, the impact was, on the team. I was on, I was on vacation when that happened. Oh, wow. I was, yeah, I was, um, uh, my wife was, was like six months pregnant, um, and so we wanted to get a vacation in before, you know, we had kids while she could still travel. And so we were actually on a cruise ship and like we pull in the port and I pull out my phone and it's just blowing up with text messages. Like, I think it was Holly was just like, oh, Sean, like you need to call me now. Sean and Scott and Rich have all been pulled off the team. Everyone's hair is on fire. What's going on? Um, and so I wasn't even there for it. The, the, it's like almost like a reading about the Friday night massacre and <laughs> it was, it was just kind of weird. And, and, you know, again, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus or paint a negative picture or whatever. We weren't really happy, right? Like this was not a happy yeah. moment for us as well. We knew what we knew the company needed us, but mm-hmm. the, the, the concern was like for the team and for, you know, like, honestly, I just, I, I like DQ. I mean, Sure, I was probably a bit crispy on EQ as well by then, but um, so then Gates happened in terms of like boom, new leadership. Like that that expansion happened based on you guys stepping in and having to quickly move into new new roles in a sense and really have to lead processes and all of that stuff that um, in the past um, not the not to say the team was on the team was always very active in every process that we had, but now it's like, okay, here on you. Now, 
when I came back for omens, it yeah. was it was interesting, right? Like, what do you recall from that period? Like, so, um, man, omens, omens. We had that like. <clears throat> So the thing I remember most about about your return to Omen specifically is is uh, talk about Holly again here is you came back and Holly was very upset because you told them exactly the same things that we had been trying to tell them but they listened to you. We were like, cause they, 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 we were building zones, a new terrain tool and none of them looked quite right. And we had to do all these funky things like, um, to try and get the zones to work. And they cut zones in, in weird ways to, to get them to be small enough to package or whatever it was. And, and we're like, we need to, we need to delay. Like we can't ship content like this. And we were all very adamant about it. And then you came back and you're like, What's going on? This is a mess. And everyone was like, oh, my God, this is a mess. Sean says we can't ship like this. And so we ended up delaying. But it was like, no, this is he just said the exact same thing we've been saying. But you listen to him. So, <laughs> uh, well, I'm happy to be able to provide that benefit. Yeah. Like I remember looking at it and basically I had to come up with three scenarios and take it back to Russ and Smed and go, we can ship on the original schedule and you'll get this we can ship with extra time and you'll get that or we can ship with a lot of extra time and you'll get this um and now i didn't come up with any of that this was me sitting down with you guys and sort of going through what you had and what you're wanting to do um and of course they picked a middle option and it seemed to it seemed to fly well I mean, um put the middle option there you put the middle option there to be picked right like <laughs> Yeah, I mean, of, of course, right? Um, so we have someone in chat says, and I think, is that an ISK SMF or LSK SMF? I remember when I joined and Sean would work late into the night designing worlds, always so dedicated. So I'm assuming you're one of our former coworkers. We'll have to find out more about you. Keebs asked, um, Aug runs were one of the, or sorry, maybe Ang runs were one of the uh, really fun parts. Oh, Aug runs were one of the really fun parts about Anguish. Something to do in the zone other than kill bosses. Was that idea yours or part of the overall design, Akil? Uh, it was probably either part of the overall design or um, I will probably give a head nod to uh, John Troy. He did most of the kind of uh, itemization system stuff around that period yeah. and so uh, it was probably it was probably him uh, okay he, it, if there was something cool that was item related it was probably it's probably john that that did that yeah that, that was one of those things that we kind of started uh we really kicked off in those early pop days was john's really handled items and itemization and balance and things like that for us and Get a good head for it Oh, hey, what's up, Chris? Um, yeah, you worked. Uh, yep, Chris and Ruth, the night, the night team. It was like the two-person night team in the CS pit. Yeah. Wow, blast from the past. Yeah, because oh, go ahead. I'd say the one thing that sticks out to me about omens was um, there was one zone where I can't remember why it had to be cut, um, but but it had to be split. And um, and it was this massive zone, and they split it like an H, 
right? And so they split into four pieces, but there were these two long pieces down the side and then these pieces in the center, but we didn't have the tech to do the old style zone lines. And so like, even though they had these long, huge zone lines, if you cross at any point, you can only end up back at the like middle point on the other side of the zone. And remember that was one of the things where you came back, you're like, you, you can't ship this. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't have players play in this content. Yeah, well, and there were a couple things I looked at with that, right? Because those zones too, like so I I got with our the art team. I got with the design team and I got with the art team. Yeah. And I looked at those zones and I was like, those zones first of all are the biggest damn zones I've ever seen in my life. And they were so big that it was like each tree was like a little object in a distance and there'd be like one and another one and another one. And there'd be those creepy little trees. Right. And it's like, you wouldn't see any NPCs. And I'm like, I, I did a quick, you know, who command to see how many NPCs in the zone. I'm like, I don't see any NPCs anywhere. 450 mobs in the zone. I'm like, how big is this zone? Right. And so like, I talked to the artists and the artists were like, um, we told them we can only make four zones. And so they said, well, make them the big, like make them bigger. So then we did make them bigger. And I'm like, what the hell did you do? You've made zones before. Like, this isn't a zone. This is just, this is passive aggression. And then like on the flip side, I went back to you guys and you're like, you guys were like, well, they're saying they can only make four zones. And I'm like, well, that's probably realistic. And it was weird, like getting everybody to start to like, cooperate yeah. cooperate again and then it was then, then we we're kind of like uh all right well let's just start over honestly there, there was that weird period when we got the commitment from um russ and smed and those guys to like this is the timeline and the team kind of came back in and was like all right well let's talk about theme let's talk about and you know for me naming was like dude let's name this just some standard easy to accept shit right like mm-hmm. Wall of Slaughter. There you go. Yeah. Right? That, that kind of thing. And oh, that's right. Because originally we had, didn't we have funky names for everything? It was all like impossible to pronounce. And yes, dude. Be- and it was coming off of looking at the forums and seeing like everybody talking about the names and gates and stuff. And I was like, guys, let's just get this back to generic fantasy. Um, you know, like let's conjure an image. Wall of Slaughter. Okay. <laughs> what do you picture? Cool. Can an artist picture that as well? Can you make it? <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it was it was uh, it was interesting, man. Like, yeah. um, so man, and we, God, we we threw away most of the story from that original thing, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah, we the, we started over. Yeah, uh, the the model that ended up being Madamaram was. It was originally going to be a different character in the story, and and we ended up just kind of like spinning it into Modern Rome because we like oh we've got this super cool like he was supposed to be man there was some like I can't remember all the story that there was some like prophet or something on a ship and originally it was supposed to be he was supposed to be that dude that had gotten corrupted and we're like. No, nah, we'll just make him the big bad because um, he looks super cool. That was it, right? Like, he just looks so badass. And it's like, yeah, this this guy's staying. And I think you were like, and I want him. Like, I want this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, 
right on this is this is this is great dude like because i'm it's it's all coming back even even as we're talking and then we have chris in here and so it's so awesome to see chris come back in and remember those times in cs as well um yeah so all right so we had omens um and right after omens i think and this was again no, no reflection on the team or anything at the time, but I was like, you know, after Omens, I need to work on something else, right? So I bounced after that, um, but I think it was a little more structured. I don't remember. Um, and, oh, while we're on Omens, though, before we leave, Epics. Epics, right? Because... Epics, Yep, because when I came back, I remember the Epics were going to be like about eight times as epic as the epics wound up being, but it was like literally doing the math on a whiteboard was like, there is no way there's no way that this can actually be tested by our testing staff. Mm -hmm. Like it would have taken too long. Yeah. They were fun to do though. I did the mage epic. Yeah. That was a good time. Cause you guys had already planned like the epics. Um, We'd had the, We'd had kind of like the stories written um, and we'd had like a lot of the concepts done for them. Probably some of the models were done, but um, I can't even remember how I wouldn't even remember which expansion went into at this point. So Yeah, no, I just I think the only thing that changed there was raining in the scope just because it was like, gotcha. yeah, if, if you guys go that hard with it, it's going to be um, it, it will take way too long to test. And that's that that's it. That's kind of that is the end of my everquest experience so everything yeah. after this is you we did epic 1.5s right like we did isn't wasn't that our epic thing right where like you did we had or was that everquest 2 because we did epics in eq2 as well did we do epics that got upgraded or were they I, just the epic 2.0s i don't remember i don't i, I thought it was a 1.5 i tend to call it a 2.0 but maybe chat can help us out um yeah. i'll keep an eye on chat to see yeah, it was either EverQuest or EverQuest 2 where we had um, kind of a, 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 an easy version of the Epic and then you go and like you can upgrade them to the full raid version. Okay, so Epic 1.5 was Omens of War. Um, ah. Vulork and Frank have confirmed. Gotcha. And, um, and then Epic 1.5. So there's Epic 1.5 and 2.0. Bunny says Epic uh, 1.5 is the way to do 2.0 without getting gotcha. to 1.0. Okay. Ah, that makes sense. All right, that's right. That was so we didn't, because the Epics were upgrades, and we didn't want to make everyone do, like, their full Epic quest, because all of those things were of, like, varying difficulties. Um. Yeah, so, and then Frank just also said uh, 1.5 cre- prequest was to bypass the 1.0. Uh, Vulork, you had to do prequest if you didn't have the 1.0 start 1.5. Frog World saying, no, you still have to do the prequest. Okay. I think we're in the ballpark, guys. We're, we're good on this one. So, um, we since we do potentially have you for a limited time, let's then move into the world of EverQuest after, after I was gone. I have no, I have no insight. Yeah. Um, I can't even remember what the next expansion was. Um, chat will tell you in a minute. Don't worry. Chat will tell us, yeah. Um, 
Don. Yeah, because Don Vercelli. I remember. I, I remember the name because I just remember Don Vercelli being. We were like, Don Vercelli will be excited. He was our head of sales and marketing. Yeah. So I guess I left shortly after because I worked on. I worked on half of Don. Man, yeah, I worked on more. I'm gonna. I'm, I might have to look this up at some point. Um, I think I worked on half of Don. Um, and I again, I can't. It's like I was. I was dealing with some personal shit. Um, and so like, it's, it's, I can fill in very little of that for you. The one thing that I remember from that period more than anything else was that, um, there was, they didn't want to make a new lead. They didn't want to give anyone your title. And so they, 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 um, they split the power between like three people. There was like a lead council, um, is like a we, we used to call it like the three-headed hydra. Uh, it was I want to say it was like Ryan Barker and John Troy, and maybe Travis McGeefy. I think might have been the third. That that was um, that sounds about right. They, so wait, they split my power or the the the. They, there was no lead designer anymore. It was the lead designers, and they all had like kind of shared power and no real like no real individual power they were like a council of we were like we are never going to create another one of these monsters again we will divide him into a triforce exactly okay yeah parliament parliamentary system of of leadership um which was an experiment that i don't think survived much much longer after dawn but um, but like I said, I don't, I don't remember a ton of of that expansion um, because I, I like you, I was I was ready for I was ready for something I was ready for something new. Chat, I said that on purpose. I'm really not as egotistical as I come off. They split my power. Um, he's yeah, Akil's worked with me. I'm actually a giant pain in the ass. Um, no, actually. I'll, I'll say that like working with you was always great. Like I've, I've been lucky to work for some spectacular leads and I've got, I've got no horse in the race, but you're one of them. You did, you did a great job. You were always like, you're always, uh, so, uh, I've been a lead since then. And, uh, you and my lead at obsidian, um, would, I always felt heard, right? Like, and so, and I was felt heard and I always felt like, like, uh, like I understood what was going on and why the decisions were made. And so that's something that I try to do on my team, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it, and so I'd say I modeled myself after, after you and, uh, after John, Josh Joyer, which is like, which is like, I want to, I want to have my team understand and be on board. They don't have to agree with me that, but they have to be able to explain to someone else why we're doing a thing. Right. And I don't know if you did that on purpose, but that's what I took away from working, working with you. So you just made me a little teary eyed. I'm not going to lie right now. Like I feel a little, I'm not even bullshitting. Uh, dude, thank you so much. Um, yeah, no, I just, I've never, I've never understood how to be in charge. It feels really awkward to be in charge. So I feel obligated to explain why I'm thinking what I do. And like, I have no problem. I have no problem accepting accountability 
and being like, okay, if the team screwed up, it's my fault. Um, because apparently I didn't do something right. Um, but I guess because I'm, I feel so awkward about like with people and in, in, in like, you know, the, even the title of like being in charge or whatever, I feel very obligated to be like one, I, 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 I do want us to do this. I, I do feel it's the right thing, but let me explain to you in every amount of detail possible <laughs> why I think that. It's a good thing, right? Like I've worked, I've worked under opposite regimes, right? Where it's like, where, where the, the, it's like, this is what you, this is what we decided. You're going to do it. I don't need to explain myself to you. Right. And I, I, I don't like to work under that rubric. And so I choose to not lead under that, under that type of leadership. Um, nah, that's awesome, dude. No, it makes sense. Um, first of all, Sean, thank you for the follow. Good to see you show up here, buddy. Um, and Bunny asked, how much Fallout New Vegas did you work on? I worked on a good bit of it. Um, so I, so for the launch of the game, I was, um, I was, I can't remember what my title was, but I was a designer. So I did, um, I did all of Prim, um, and I did the Repcon launch facility. That was actually our vertical slice. And so the whole team worked on that, but I, I did the like upstairs area with like Jonathan Bright, the like glowing ghoul for people who know the game. Um, and, uh, I did the actual like launch sequence and, and a couple other things in that in that area and then um i did the other repcon facility i did uh, i can't remember what the vault number was but i did the vault with the fiends in it um i did the boomer storyline so anyone who played fallout new vegas and uh had to dodge the bombs that was me and i'm sorry like not the best idea not the best executed but but uh i thought the rest of that was pretty fun um I did, um, I worked on half of the Hoover Dam battle. I worked on the NCR side of the Hoover Dam battle. Um, I did, um, I did Eddie's storyline, um, his companion quest stuff. Uh, and I feel like there was one or two other things that I worked on in New Vegas, but I can't remember what. So that's most of it. Yeah, that was a fun, it was a great experience. I learned a lot. I learned a lot working there. That was, uh, it was really cool. It was great to, when I left EQ2 to work on, to go to work at Obsidian, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to work outside of MMO space. Like I'd, I'd been an MMO designer for so long. I needed to like, I needed to prove to myself that I could do something different. And so I'm, I, I loved it. It was great. Like I made some great friends at Obsidian. That was, a, it's an, great place to work and awesome people to work with like it was, a, it was awesome fantastic cool yeah it looks like chat approves so uh fantasy freak said her damn battle was cool bunny said so basically you did uh most of the coolest shit so <laughs> kudos there um oh i remember the other thing i did i did um the gomorrah hotel there are a bunch of hotels on the on the New Vegas Strip, and I did the one with the uh, Omeritus. Right on. Yeah. Bunny asked, was there much pressure or difficulty you had to deal with from Bethesda? Um, 
they were i would say not much pressure or difficulty like they're they're publishers and so they want they want a product but they were pretty good about letting obsidian make the game that they wanted to, that we wanted to make um and so like you know they wanted deadlines to be met and they wanted milestones to be met but um but i think outside of that i don't i don't remember having much much difficulty with them um on the dlc i was a producer which was an interesting experience for me i um yeah i i didn't particularly i'd be a producer again i didn't particularly love it um uh i think i was too I think it was tough for me to go from working next to someone to having to manage someone. If I was going to be a producer again, I think I'd rather like come into a fresh team rather than trying to switch roles on an existing team. I yeah. think that was, it was kind of difficult. Um, it's a challenge for me. Yeah. I ran into that on EQ. I went from yeah. being like a peer to being a lead and it was kind of like, hmm, what? Um, yeah. So let me let me scan uh Frank sorry I missed your list of raids um from I think it was Don that uh, was trying to jar your memory not to sort of jump you back in time too far uh but a list of raids raid fights to see if you remember uh Vishamtar Yarlir or uh Rakuken and Kesadana Imush Terron you got any of these names any spark anything no sparks. <laughs> cool. Um, Hidden Virus asked a question that I don't know you're going to be able to answer. Maybe you will. Um, I know I can't. What are your thoughts on allowing the sleeper to be killed, effectively ending an era um, of EQ? Also, your thoughts on the whole sleeper reset after he was killed? Um, I, I think that... I think that one of the cool things that you can do in MMOs is have the world evolve, right? And so I, th- I think that it's it's important to make make mistakes. And so uh, I don't know if if waking the sleeper was the right thing and chasing the world through waking the sleeper was the right way to do it. But I think that um, that having the world shift in unpredictable ways occasionally is good. Like. Um, I know people didn't necessarily love the Guckton's and their takeover of the, of the trolls city, but I, I enjoyed that we did that, right? Like I enjoyed that we went, we're like the world that you love is changing. Right. And, and people hated it, right? Like some people were okay with it. Some people hated it, but I think that, that the fact that we are able to get emotion out of them by doing this thing is cool. And so like, I, I, I don't know if there are, if any instances are correct, but I think that making the attempts is the correct thing to do. Yeah. And that, the way that came about, man, it was such a fun time on the team too. When we had to do uh, legacy of Kesha and it was like, how are we going to do starting city? And that idea like went, and then I forget who on the team, maybe it was you. I, uh, I maybe it was, it was Miller or, mash or somebody was like i can totally script an invasion like it's like we can have frogs attack and run into there because we had already agreed on the idea of them taking over but it was just maybe going to be a swap it's like really 
All right, let's do that. That sounds crazy. What happens if it doesn't work? You know, I mean, like that because that was a risky one. That was like a live takeover event. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with you, man. Things, things, uh, things change. And that is MMOs. Um, Fantasy Freak, the Gutman thing felt like devs just didn't want to design a new town when Frolox became playable. Um, it's not that we didn't want to. We had to release Legacy of Akesha in four months. Like it was build and launch an expansion in four months. We literally and couldn't. We didn't want to put in. I don't think we wanted to put a new race in. They were like, oh, and it needs to have a new playable race. And we're like, crap. Like, <laughs> how are we going to do this? How are we going to do a new playable race and a new starting zone? And so, yeah, it was a, it was a by necessity. Yeah. Um, it just, it, it, like, I'll fully admit to that one was like, we, we looked at, but we really, on that one, you know, when we looked and saw that there was the opportunity with, uh, now I'm going to screw up the name. Sorry, lore, lore freaks. Um, is it Broken Skull Rock or? Well, there was a Broken Skull Rock. Yeah. When we were like, okay, well, it's sitting over there. It's near what we're doing here. Um, if we can get four or five really cool zones out of it. And I think Nebula, you know, really like the artists really pulled that together quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah, so um, that was that was as that was a fun expansion to work on. Like, I wish we'd had more time. I wish we could have made it bigger and better. But like, I did hate Fury. That was a fun. That was a fun zone. It was dude, a, that's cool. such a cool zone. That was a, that was a fun zone to work on. Um, but yeah, I mean that it was a uh, it was it was not. <clears throat> It would have been great to have more time. It would have been great to do it right, but like, it was a it was an interesting challenge, right? Like, it was it was how can we do this thing that's impossible? And 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 we, I think we did better than could have been expected in the constraints that we had. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, the constraint led to it being digital download, which was at the time like that that was unusual and now it's the standard yeah. um but we we just didn't have the time to do anything but sorry to go ahead remember um the eq atlas i still have a copy of it somewhere where like we had to we had to put together that like book of everquest maps and stuff and um and we had to like get together all that lore and we had to like artify maps that was wasn't that right around the same time i i i only vaguely remember all that all that kind of weirdness one thing i remember that was super weird about that whole like eq atlas thing was that like soe or sony had contracts with with game distributors but not with book distributors and so the eq atlas wasn't in any bookstores at the at the time you could only get it in game stores <laughs> and so we put out this everquest map book that you couldn't find if you were ever looking for a book <laughs> yeah it's i don't uh, i don't remember all the details on it but it, it, that was again one of those things that was kind of brought to the team and like hey you, you have to work with this and we're like we don't have any resources and i think it was it was somebody like Ryan and somebody else had to then really commit a lot of their time to yeah. making sure it was right while doing all this other crap. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I th- Ryan was, I think Ryan and I want to say Holly again were essentially like, and maybe Jake also were like internal publishers for that, right? Like they had to put it together and edit it and like as a bunch of people working with expertise, working at being experts at things that they had no experience with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is weird that so much stuff got done. Um, Mr. Chief Owens, thank you for the follow. Um, Owen 32, when did you first notice management asking more in le- asking for more in less time? Um, I not, and this isn't meant to be disparaging or smart ass, but it always kind of felt like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so it what was ex- the expansion. What was the expansion after pop? Was that Loy or was that? That was Loy. Yeah. Yeah. Loy was the first one, right? Cause that was our first after Loy, we went to the twice a year cycle, but before that it was an expansion a year. So that was really the shift was, was legacy of the Yukisha, right? Because mm-hmm. we did pop and then very quickly had to do Loy. And then again, on a very short cycle, we did, um, dungeons, right? That was like six or eight months again. Um, Lost Dungeons North was, or yeah, so that wasn't terribly long. I didn't think. Yeah, I think it was. I think it. I think. I think like Loy launched in like February, and Eldon launched in like September or something of the yeah. same year. Yeah, and again, another crazy, ambitious, weird thing. And oh, by the way, group instancing. Was that our idea? I can't even remember how that. Like, was that us trying to get more content in? Like, or so the, which part? The the release date or the instancing? The instancing. So instancing. This is how I remember it. And at some point, maybe somebody who knows different will come out and like call bullshit. But instancing was. Um, we faked it in pop. Like I had been thinking about instancing from Anarchy Online. Anarchy Online had a single player, procedurally generated mission yeah, system. In, in, in Anarchy Online, yeah. And so I remember playing AO and seeing the single player, um, like single player instances. I don't remember anything beyond that, just single player. And I remember us having a lot of problems with, um, spawn contention, right? Like as multiple guilds were going after like the same targets and zerging. Yeah. We had fake instancing in pop, right? Yeah. We, so you could like save your place in plane of time or something. Um, I don't know about the plane of time part. I do remember plane of nightmares. We had the hedges and Uh, right. Frank is saying yes with time. Um, and then, yep. And so, those were the first experiments where we did like the three, four sort of imprints under the ground that we would script you into. Um, and that's, that was with the idea of actual instancing in the future. And then when we wrapped up pop, um, we went to an offsite and Smed was really gung ho on player housing being the next big feature. And, um, we were really excited to get instancing in for, um, you know, for that reason, but we were able to sell it as because, um, our boss, Rod humble, he was a studio director at the time. 
he was like, you got to do something for more casual players. You put in so much raid stuff and no casual stuff. So we were like, we basically promised everybody would get something from instancing. We were like, if we get instancing, we can do the raids and we can stop zerging. We can control the variable of how many people go into a raid so we can tune them better. Again, raids. We can make group content for groups and we could tune it so that we know that they're only playing for whatever 30 minutes or something because that was like a big thing everybody was like hey takes too long um and smed this would be the thing that would allow us to do housing later on right it was just like hey we can do all this stuff if we get it and and the tech folks and everybody else was they were very like you know scott and everybody's like yeah if we get this this is going to be a good tool um and that's that's really what allowed us to then kick off Eldon. Um, then the question was, we, we originally thought if you remember, um, that we would be able to procedurally generate dungeons and that was a no go. Yeah. I remember sitting there though, that, um, uh, they, they actually built the dungeon generator and they would sit there and they would press the generate button over and over again until they got a dungeon that was okay. And then we'd make that thing real. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And then, yeah, they would, they print them all out and then we would pick which ones we wanted and we go in and, and clean them up. Fantasy Freak 12, uh, is stated instancing was the downfall of MMO gaming. Yes. Uh, right after we released instancing, um, wow, uh, took MMOs from having 500,000 subscribers to 11 million. So, um, it probably wasn't too bad for MMOs. Um, the, I'm just kidding with you, buddy. Sorry to bust balls on chat. Uh, the let's see, but I, I like uh, I like open world. Um, so, did we miss something here? Uh, cartography love. All right. So then the question was: Akil uh, worked on EQ. Did Akil work on EQ one when he came back from 2013 2015? I, um, I mostly worked on EQ2, um, but when I was creative director, I was creative director for EQ and for both EQ and EQ2. So I did, I did help, help run the EverQuest, EverQuest 1 team as well. So when we did that, like, when we did that joint expansion, um, I was, I was the one trying to, trying to pull that together, the, the pull together storyline between the two games. Okay. And then what else was going on during that period then? Man, um, what else was going on during that period? Uh, I, I, I can't remember. <laughs> Man, um, it all just, it all just runs together. Like there was, there was more like time travel stuff and dimension hopping and, uh, you know, we are always trying to find room in the, in, in, in the level cap for progression. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if one of, one of the struggles that EverQuest still has is, um, is there's no room for growth, right? Like the, the fact that they can still like squeeze any, any player progression out of, out of EQ1 still, it, I, I'll never stop to be amazed at how they manage, manage to give people new things to strive for. Because, uh, I mean, I've, I've, I remember in, um, 
in Loy, I worked on tribute. Um, I worked on the tribute system. Um, and, and I felt like then we were trying to squeeze headroom out. Like we were just trying to eke out any little bits of player progression that we could possibly find. Um, but the fact that they're, that they're still doing it or still seem to be doing it at least is, it's a marvel, man. They're, they're, those, those folks are doing amazing stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's got to be such a challenge, right? Yeah. Like, um, because that's the weird thing with like building in headroom. How do you how do you know how much? It's either infinite and you come up with a genius system, or you're you're constantly working against it. Or I mean, I, I don't I don't know that anyone has done it right yet. I don't know if there is a right way to do it. Right, like where. Like, do you plan your game to run for six years or do you plan for it to run a hundred years? And again, players never feel like they're like their cap. Like, how do you how do you balance out that power fantasy with like being able to have a game where you can keep developing content for like um, I'm sure someone will get it right eventually. But yeah, because it's it's kind of like a TV show. It's okay if they if they write three seasons and they're tight three seasons and that's it. You're bummed because your show's over. Mm-hmm. But if you love the first three seasons and they're like, okay, we'll just keep extending this for as long as you watch it, and it turns into weird meandering stuff, then yeah. So it's it's a real challenge. I mean, EQ's been going twenty one years now. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's um it's I. Aside from just the um, just the progression power of players, um, there's the narrative power progression, right? Like, how do you keep telling stories? Like, we that's that's how we ended up in Gates, right? Like, how do you keep telling stories after the players have killed gods, right? right. Like, how do you where, what's what's more powerful than a god? And that's how that's how we ended up, um, you know, with weird with weird alien monster things, right? Because we had to come up with, with something that was more powerful than gods, but they keep doing it, right? Like they've, they've, they keep finding narrative space and, um, system space for, for growth. Yeah. yeah. So then EQ two, did we, did we cover much of that? Like we, didn't, we didn't cover a whole lot of, of EQ two. Um, EQ2 was a, it was, I, I don't think we ever worked on EQ2 at the same time. Uh, yeah, I, I was only there for like two weeks or three weeks and I bounced. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, for, uh, for EQ2, um, I worked, like I said, I worked on all the expansions from uh, our first three expansions. I didn't work on the, they had the adventure packs. Which was there like um, on EQ2? They originally were splitting between two different content types. They had um, expansion content, which was like kind of like a um, DLC sequel, and then they had adventure pack content, which was like like a module, right? It was more bite-sized stuff. It was kind of like it was the evolution of Legacy of Yakisha, right? It was just like, oh, here's a bit smaller piece of content you can download mm-hmm. and play. Um, Oh yeah. yeah, that's right. I, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, EQ two was a it was a fun time. It was nice to to 
to be able to still be in NORATH, but get to work with different people and different systems and get to know a different community, um, different tools even. It was, it was a good time. Right on. Um, Content-wise, does anything stand out for you? Like, what was your favorite? Oh, yeah. Uh, my, I did, I did a fight um, back when I was still doing content. In, um, in the first adventure pack, I did the final raid in that zone, the Jin Master, um, which was it was a, it was again probably overtuned and too difficult, but it was a it was a fun fight for me to put together. Um, so in the story, in the storyline, jinns were afraid of magic, um, afraid of music. And so in this gin master fight, you had to collect these instruments as you, as you fought your way to him and you'd pick up these, I can't remember exactly how it worked, but you pick up these pieces of music. Um, and, uh, and they, we had this thing in, in EQ2 called designer place objects, which were things that could get placed in the world and players could move them around. It's kind of using the housing system. And so for the gin master fight, you had to surround them with these instruments. And then you had to interact with them to play music around them. And then if you played the right song around him, he'd get stunned in place. And so you had to do that to, to, to beat him. It was, it was a really cool, fun thing to work on. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember if I saw it firsthand or if people were just talking about it at the time, but I do remember that. Yeah, I, I, um, my own version of Ego, uh, I, I remember when I, when I launched it, I was, I thought that I'd hit it right. Like, I thought that I'd, I'm like, no, this is good. This is, this is well-tuned content, um, but players were they were just bouncing off of it like no one could make any progress in the fight and, and I remember going on the forums and I was like I don't know guys I don't know what's going on EQ1 players would have been able to fight this like <laughs> I'm not saying that they're better than you but they wouldn't be here complaining about it being too difficult like <laughs> not proud Ouch. of it but <laughs> uh, and was that was that well received by the community <laughs> Um, it wasn't well received by the community, but I had one of my, uh, I had a manager come to me and be like, I like that you said that. Um, but I think in the end, I ended up tuning down the difficulty a little bit, <laughs> eating, eating crow a little on that one. Yeah. Uh, much, much like my smart ass remark to fantasy freak earlier. Sorry. I was, uh, sometimes, sometimes we're human. We're human. Um, <laughs> you may not believe it. Um, so let's see. Kemp asked, was there a vision shift in EQ2 after the first six to 12 months? And this is an interesting one because I do remember some changes. I mean, EQ2 after launch had that huge combat revamp. Um, so, so yes, absolutely. There was a, there was a vision shift. Like, like the game, with the game... It, it completely changed in a way that that was very fundamental, like the um, not quite Star Wars Galaxy fundamental, but yeah, it was a it was there was a significant shift. I think I personally think that it kind of found its voice after the after I came to the team right when that was happening, and so I don't remember remember a lot about what brought that about and why, but um, but I felt like it kind of got its it needed to do that to find its feet and to get traction and, and really kind of get its own voice. Yeah. And was that because there, was there a staff change as well? 
Uh, because I'm trying to think when Blakely and those guys left to oh, go to Austin. Yeah, yeah that might have been that might have been what the um, what either sparked it or allowed it. I can't remember. Like I, I. I can't remember if I worked with Blakely. Um, when I started on EQ2, my lead was Chris Ko, mm-hmm. and so he was there. He ended up leaving for Austin a little bit after after I was after I joined the team. Um, so I can't I can't remember exactly what the timing was of all the of all the politics on that one. Okay. Um, yeah, because. Uh Blakely left and Chris went with him because they, they, they worked together. Um, and that's when, yeah, I think there was that delay, but, um, um, and then that was when the changes to star Wars galaxies happened out there. And then that's when I got recruited out there to work on DC because that had already started brewing a little bit to into 2005. Um, Let's see. Uh, Bunny says we need to play EQ. So we popped in and played some EQ too um, the other day because the the server's down for an update. And I, I, I popped in. It's like, man, you know what? I'm, I'm having a good time here. And, and a lot of people came in uh, from our chat. And we're like, oh man, I haven't played in a while and stuff. So it's it's nice to mix it up. Um, what else was said here? Bunny, the sweater community has a really low skill level overall because they are mostly people who are just Star Wars nerds and never played MMOs, but the devs make content like what WoW does, and it's way above them, and it's weird. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's yeah. if you're coming in just because you love a thing and then you're having to learn how to play a relatively complex game, I guess that could be a challenge. Um, yeah, I think I think Swig was kind of cool in that um, while it was a game that was complex, um, I wasn't a huge Swig player, but it felt like you there was lots to do without having to feel like you're playing a super complex MMO. They, there was lots of breadth in that game, which um, which was uh, I thought pretty neat. And um, Oin32 says I played EQ2 at launch and it did feel different, like a different, and then. You, you dropped it off there, Wayne. Um, yeah. So, I'm I'm curious. What can you What can you tell us about your current project? Um, <clears throat> if anything, what can I tell? Yeah. So, <laughs> I am I'm working on uh, Ashes of Creation, which is. Uh, which is probably the most ambitious MMO I've ever heard of anyone trying to make. Um, it's, it's like, it's big, it's complex. It's got lots of interconnected systems. Um, uh, so, uh, the, uh, it feels like a game that a lot of us have wanted to make, right? Like, so at the heart of it, it's, it's built to be a game with an evolving world. Um, and so, uh, and so that's, that's what enchanted me to the project was this notion of, of a world that grows and have player and players have influence and agency over it. So at the heart of it is this thing called the node system, which, um, which are essentially 
locations in the world that can turn into cities. And so as players do content around nodes, the nodes like gather experience and then they can level up from like, from like, uh, they can level up up into like these big metropolises. Um, and then as those things level up, after, as the nodes level up, the world around them changes. And so this notion of players coming into a land that's essentially empty and having it build up and have each server kind of be different, um, have a different set of nodes and almost a different a different story of how that built is a, it's a very cool prospect, but it's there are there are lots of systems and and there's lots of in, interconnectivity and lots of complexity. So it's a it's a big project and there's lots to do. What are you doing on that project right now? Your title is different than the other ones. Yes, my title is lead technical designer. So I I've I've struggled with trying to define what I do, and so what it, what I've landed on is I'm like two thirds designer, one third programmer. So I do a little bit of programming in C++, but very little. Um, but I do a lot of like blueprinting. I try to make sure that um, that things that designers build are are extendable and reusable. I try to build things that designers can use in extendable and reusable ways. Um, I built a raid um, just for for our little alpha project that we just did. Um, and then I've, I'm doing lots of documentation and lots of planning, um, lots of working with engineers to make sure that we get tools online that um, that designers can use. Because I've I try to I try to be a go between sometimes between the designers and the engineers to make sure that um, uh, that designers are asking for things in ways that they can be provided and that engineers are giving designer things in ways that they can be used. Um, so I wear a lot, I wear lots of hats. Um, mm. Yeah. There was a question in chat about the battle Royale thing. Can you say anything about that or? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, uh, APOC was, uh, it so um, Intrepid is a is a new studio with no ship titles and uh, and with MMOs there are lots of there are lots of supporting systems that need to exist for an MMO to stand up. You need to have servers. You need to have a login. You need to have um, uh, you know you need to have billing. Like there's all of this all of this infrastructure aside from the game that needs to exist before you can stand up an MMO. Um, and APOC gave us an opportunity, the Battle Royale gave us an opportunity to um, to test some of those things early. Uh, it, it also gave us an opportunity as a studio to see what launching was like because there are some people on, on the team who've never launched the thing. Right. So there's no having something that's live and playable and, and understanding what that means, I think was important, was important for the studio. So while it didn't go as well as we would have liked, I think that it was a valuable experience both for the tech um, and for, and for the humans. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, actually, that's a really um, good point. That experience of getting something out and handling a live game Um as you say that, I, I think it's some other games that have come out and they're like in perpetual beta state. Um, um, and when they haven't had that live game experience, these companies um, and their games I like, but 
what what I'm finding is they didn't plan for the amount of work that a live game is going to be plus everything else you're trying to do. And now they're stuck in our live game and they're, they're frustrated because they can't get their vision executed on. Yeah. Early access is it's cool that they, that it, that it exists. Right. But it's kind of a trap because um, I think that, that the, that the thought process behind early access is, oh, we can let players play our game early, but, and we can still, we can keep developing it. It's like, no, you hit early access and now you've got to develop and support a live game and you, you probably didn't grow your team. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and so it's, it's, a uh, it's, um, it's a little poison piece of cheese for like a game developer rat to, to gnaw on. Um, so. Yeah, because that, that live feedback, it's because um, you don't want to burn those customers, right? You're like, you, you don't want all the people in early access to leave. Yeah, and a lot of times they're, they are potentially your most loyal, right? They're the people who are in and willing to to play something that's not finished. And those are the people who, if you can treat them right, will be loyal customers, loyal players forever. And so I think that as an early access developer, you really want to try and do things to make sure they're treated right, but then you also still have to make a game. Right. Um, and so it's a, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. There was a question earlier from Sinister Joint. I, uh, they, he was wondering if PVP will be required for in-game on AOC. Uh, for, for Ashes of Creation? Um, the PVP, if it'll be required for in-game, it will not be required for in-game. I don't believe. Uh, don't don't quote me on this as gospel. But like, if there will be in-game PVP content, right? Like, there's a there's a system for like raiding castles, so guilds can have can hold a castle, and another guild can siege it, and you'll be able to siege nodes, and that stuff will be in-game content. But there will be pve in-game content and so it will not be pvp won't be the won't be the only path i mean if if nothing else um i'm not a big pvp or pvp stresses me out um and so uh i want to have content to play so fair enough um oin32 uh mentioned want to see a diplomacy system from vanguard and the battle notes from tabla rasa um along with crafting system for eq vanguard Vanguard's diplomacy system was so dang cool. Like I just like conceptually, it, did you have you did you see it at all when it was out, Sean? Um, yes. Yeah. yeah, like it was. It's I. I think Vanguard had lots of really good ideas. I I I wish it had hit it out of the park. Like I love their crafting system. Uh, the um, I wrote up a pitch recently for not too. Uh, uh, God, man, it's been a long time. I wrote up a pitch for for AOC, kind of built around um, kind of a similar notion as Vanguard's crafting system, which to me is summarized with uh, crafting is combat, right? Like kind of this notion that that you've got abilities that you can use against a piece of equipment, and then if you win, if you beat that thing, you've got a thing. Um, uh, but yeah, but- with their crafting is combat and their... Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I was was just going to, you keep going, but then maybe afterwards come back and tell me how you see that differentiating from EQ2. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, That's a good, that's a good point. EQ2 was kind of, was a very similar way. Um, The, 
Oh, and then the diplomacy system as diplomacy. like as a card game. Yeah, the, the collectible card game as a as a subsystem is was pretty neat. Um, EQ2s, and I'm just going to be touchy feely here because eq 2s system felt more like um, almost like a mobile game, right? Like it was just kind of like match and beat, right? Where you just had to like you just had to pattern recognize and do a thing. Where um, when I think of crafting as combat, I think of kind of like making of having tactical choices to make to try and progress and get something at the end. So it's I I'd, I would say that if you wanted to twist my arm and call EQ2 system crafting as combat, I would not be able to make a good argument against it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. That wasn't like a gotcha. My brain was just like. Wait, no, no, as no, you're no, describing no, it, I, I remember. No, no, it, it absolutely is, and I can't. Um, I'd. I can't. I don't have a super clear memory of of Vanguard's of Vanguard's crafting system, but like, um, it, if I remember correctly, it wasn't timed, so you could just like sit there and decide like what your next move was going to be, um, and um, yeah. On the diplomacy side, uh, Bunny was asking, uh, could you just give a quick description of Vanguard's diplomacy and, and, and why you liked it? I So I, I only got into it in a very cursory way, but... Uh, um, but it was like it was like a from what I remember, it was like a collectible card game. And so you'd go and you'd try and have conversations with people. Again, my fuzzy recollection of it. You'd have conversations with people, but how you could progress in a conversation depended on the cards that were in your hand. And so like it was it didn't feel like you were playing an MMO, right? Like it had this system of going out and collecting cards and building a deck and that deck would then help you in the diplomacy system. And so like kind of like pulling a lot of that, um, uh, like you get from a board game, like Ascension or something that kind of like deck building mechanic into an MMO, I think was pretty neat. Mm. Cool. Did that help bunny? So, Let's no. see. Where are we at now, dude? So oh, we yeah. we've been at this been for chatting. Hmm. Well, it's been ninety minutes. We're we're still going. My kids are still asleep. <laughs> right on. I was just looking up. I was like, yeah, all right. So we we've been at this for a little bit. Um. Cool. The yeah, maybe, maybe, 15, maybe another fifteen minutes. Yeah, we can so, do that. A little. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, I know how that goes. Uh, <laughs> the, the streaming thing, I, I was actually surprised at how taxing um, it can be yeah. playing and talking for five or six hours a night. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm impressed that people do it. I'm always afraid that I'm going to say something and that I'm, I'm going to be a meme on the Internet and like and and that. Yeah. Well, that's inevitable. I think that that part's just a given. Um so let's see. Um, let's see. Okay, so we're still talking diplomacy in chat. Um, Hopefully, someone can give a better explanation of it because I, I did not get I did not get super deep into it. But um, but again, as a concept, it was something I always really dug. Yeah, it's a nice over- overview, though. Um, all right, guys. So chat. While we still have about 10, 15 minutes, it sounds like, um, are there any more questions for Akil from that 
period of time, right? I mean, basically you were there. You were there. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll say that that the thing that I took away from that period of time, and and maybe it's not the best lesson, but it's one, is um, I, uh, we were very passionate, but our passion was abused, right? Like we were, we were very, I felt like we were very taken advantage of as young developers on the EQ team. And, um, and I feel like it's my job now to make sure that new developers aren't taken advantage of like we were, right? Like, like we were, we were willing to carve our bones out to get an expansion on the shelves. And I don't think that that is the way that games need to be made. Um, I, and so I, I try very hard these days to make sure that people don't need to bleed to get their work seen, right? Like, and, and I think, I think that the thing that I've taken away is that the game industry can do better, right? Like that we don't have to, we don't have to sleep under our desks to launch great content, right? Like, um, uh, but we were willing to do it and there was no one to fight for us. Right. And so the thing that I'm taking away, the thing that I've kind of, I've all of the thing that I took from that period was, was that I don't want the people who work for me and work with me to have to do what I did to stay in the industry. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I look back on it and I have trouble remembering what was expected of me versus what did I do to myself? And because of that fear of not progressing, like, Hey, if I don't just go hard, somebody's going to come up behind me. But I will say, I agree with you. I've never asked anybody to do the shit that I did to myself. I, I could never ask that anybody. Well, I think the thing is, is you didn't feel safe, right? Like you didn't, you, the, the thing you said, right, is that somebody was coming up after you and that's because you didn't feel, you didn't feel safe in your job, right? Like, um, and so I think it's important for us to make sure that the people feel safe, that they don't feel like if they don't work those 90 hour weeks, that they're not going to keep their jobs. Mm-hmm. And I think it is, it is possible for someone to feel like they can maintain a good work-life balance in, in the game industry. Um, and, uh, and I, I don't know, I think it's, I think that we need to stop, um, stop treating it as it's preordained, like, right. like, Oh, another, another crunch. What could we have done to avoid it? It's like, no, we could have done stuff to avoid it. And, and maybe we stepped in at this time, but let's take a look at it and see what we can do to avoid it next time. Yeah. I will say I've, I've worked in Germany for two years and now Sweden for three years. Um, and it was, you know, games for the last five years. I have not seen any of that, uh, crunch or it's, it's a relatively safe environment to work in. Right. Um, and a lot of legal reasons. Yeah. Disney was actually the, was the same way, at least at, at my studio. Like we felt, we felt very safe um, and uh, and it was a great it was a great environment to work we were a very small team, but even for a mobile game with very tight deadlines, we ended up 
you know, every once in a while, there'd be a sprint where it's like, yeah, we need to work extra hours to get a sprint done. But there was none of that, like, uh, for, I think, I think my worst was Eldon. And for Eldon, I remember for like, it was, it was probably like eight weeks or six weeks. I went home once and it was on the 4th of July, right? Like, and it was a Sunday, 4th of July was on a Sunday or a Monday or something. Right. But then like I worked every day before and after that. And like, that doesn't need to be, that doesn't need to be anyone's life. Right. So. Yeah. Th- that one was, uh, that one was definitely a beast. Yeah. The, so bunny says she appreciates you, Akil. Um, and, uh, so it makes you feel better. And um, Seahole asks, Hi, Akil, what server did you play on? And do you have any great stories on that server with your guild or any um, unsuspecting players? I played on uh, Druzel Row. Um, and um, my one of my stories is uh so i played there before i before i became a gm uh yeah i played there before i became a gm and i found out that um just how many developers are actually in my guild that i didn't realize at the time um i was actually in a guild with the head of legal department <laughs> andy zaffron was in oh, wow, was yeah. in my guild and i didn't even know it until i until i joined um yeah, do I have any do I have any fun stories from from Druzel Row? Um, it's all it's all pretty fuzzy, but yeah, we 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 it. I'll say that it got very hard to um to spend you know sixty hours staring at Norath and then to go home and to play another twenty hours. <laughs> it got it got tough to. Um, it got tough to maintain a, a solid rating guild and 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 work in the world. So I got I probably got more casual after a couple of years in in the develop on the developer team. Yeah, development team. Another question is um, for both of us from Chris. Uh, did either of you work on the dev team when they were going to have the Stormhammer Legends team help design quests? And do you know why it was abandoned pretty much um, as it started? I I think I joined shortly after the Stormhammer Legends team was let go. I think, like, I I was... I kind of mi- I think there was drama there, and I kind of missed what happened. Um, but I, I only have vague memories of it. Yeah, I mean, it sounds familiar to me. What I have to imagine is that one big impediment um, was the tool set and accessibility of like how do how do you provide um, how do you provide that opening for people that aren't sort of ramped up into the team to be able to develop stuff. Uh, there was no, uh, easy content creation that could be like when I was a GM, I was fairly limited in what I could do. Right. And so we could run little events and things like that, but like really building things wasn't going to be, uh, possible. And then I think the way that if I remember correctly, and I may be wrong, the way that Stormhammer legends came about, I don't know that it had a hundred percent buy-in from the team. Um, and so that was probably also a fairly big impediment, giving 
everything else that was going on. Because, like you were just saying, Akil, when the team is working insane hours and living at work to get the stuff done that you've already committed to, when other things get kind of added to your plate, it's not a good time. But uh, like I said earlier, Jason, me, Jason, and Jason were working on some of that Stormhammer content. But I can't, I think that was after that team was dissolved. I can't remember if that was after or before that team was was dissolved. But like, like you said, the GMs had limited tools. And so I think what we were doing was building content that could be like initiated by a GM. So the content was always up on the server and then we had to make like items so the player, so the GM could launch it and then interact with it and, and could kind of like tell a story by like clicking on an item to make a, make one NPC spawn or a different NPC spawn. Um, but all that's, all that's super fuzzy. I can't remember. How yeah. It it's long ago. One thirty two asks, are you going to play with, uh, us on air dune? Ryan's there. I'm there. Yeah, so hop in. Yeah, we'll can, follow up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll say, like, it's, it's, it's tough. Like, the, the stay-at-home thing makes it hard for me to PC game because my son, um, it's a little easier now that he's not in school, but my son plays on our home PC a lot. And so, like, I'm in my dining room. My work PC's in my dining room. I've got two two monitors here. And so, like, I don't feel like I've got, like, a solid space. And so I haven't been done a, doing a ton of PC gaming, but I do have my laptop back. So my daughter had my laptop for school. So I've got my laptop back. So I can probably sit down on the couch and play some play some EQ in front of the TV. That would be awesome. Um there was another question that I meant to ask as well. Let me credit to to the right person, though. Let me scroll up. Uh, I'll credit him in a moment. I know the question. Uh, fire twirling. Please tell us about fire twirling. It's mentioned on your Twitter. I remember it from back in the day. It was Ethan. Yeah, I love. I love. It is. It is one of my one of my passions these days. I don't do it quite as much as I did a couple of years ago, but um, but yeah, it's something that I find I find real I find real joy in. Like I I can get into the like into the zone. I can find my flow in it. It's uh, um, even just practicing. Like it's um, it's uh, I one of the things I love about making games. It's going to be kind of a meandering thought here, but one of the things I love about making games is that I get to be very left-brained and right-brained, right? Like I can sit down and like write a script, right? Like I can, I can program, I can write a Perl script, I can, or like I can write a quest and be creative, right? And so kind of this, this notion of, of switching states is, is something that I find joy in, in gaming. Um, fire spinning is very much the same way where it's got like a little bit of, it's got lots of kind of like shapes and motion, right? Like you've got things on tethers and these things move around and you're building geometry with them. But then also it's, it's very, very relaxed and creative. And so, um, and so like even at work, um, back, back at the old term court campus, I used to like, have my practice poi and i would spin and 
like when I get like writer's block, I would go and I would spin back there just to like get my creative juices flowing. Or if like, or if I was writing a Perl script and I was stuck, I'd say I'd go in the back and like, I kind of, it's called tech spin. I'd get like, I get very techy and it's like, okay, like how do I, how do I get my head into that mind space? And so it's a, it's a great way for me to kind of flex both sides of my brain and to kind of like help myself switch between different mind states when I need to do it. It's something I find a, a ton of joy in. Like if you know, um, if you know uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like at the top, the pinnacle of it is flow. And it's where I find, it's where I find my flow. Oh, I, I think it's great that you're still doing it because you were doing that even back when I was working with you, right? might've just started. Yeah. Um, and, uh, my other joy now is I, I break, I bake a ton of sourdough. I started before it became quarantine cool, but, um, but yeah, I, I bake a, a ton of, of sourdough loaves. Oh, right on. Yeah. It's, it's very much the same as, as the flow, right? Where it's, it's, um, it's that like, it's a, it's the balance between kind of like art and chemistry because, mm-hmm. um, uh, because baking baking is chemistry, but like but bread is so temperamental you can 't control for all the variables, and so you just have to like learn the way a loaf of bread feels and just fight the damn thing to try and get something tasty out of it and so kind of that like that balance of of um of understanding the chemistry of a sourdough loaf, but then, but then having to just give in to the creativity of every loaf is going to be a little different. And the fact that, and just having to buy into that is again, it's something I find a lot of joy in. So cool. It's funny watching chat. Like all of a sudden it's like, Oh, give us a recipe. How many starters have you given out? How do you resist eating the sourdough bread? It's like, (laughs) you've hit a nerve. Oh, I, I, um, Oh, I, uh, I can share my recipe in the discord. It's not, it's not great. I wrote it up. I wrote it up for a friend, but, um, uh, I haven't given out a ton of starter, but I gave one friend a starter who's given it to a bunch of people. So, uh, um, so I've got, I've got a few a heritage of starters going. Uh, I named my star sourdough Tribble, like from Star Trek, because Tribbles they eat and they multiply, right? And so, and so that's what that's what the starter does. It eats and it multiplies. Um, yeah, I my my recent I can talk I could talk bread for as much as I could talk games, but my uh, my recent kind of revelation revelation in bread making was that was twofold it's one is that is is that precision is a lie that we tell ourselves right like people have been baking bread successfully for like thousands of years now right like it's like sourdough is old people have been doing it and and this notion that we need to be like hundreds of a milligram precise with it is something that's very new because people were making bread before that right and so and so kind of like kind of letting go of having to be super precise has been like, oh, shit, like this is cool. Um, and I can't remember what my other revelation was. So I'll 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 toss it back out if it if it comes back to me. But <laughs> revelation will be in discord. Yeah. Oh, no, you got yeah, it. My, 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 other, my other revelation was that um, was that what we do when we try to be precise with bread making is, is figuring out how to make the same loaf of bread, bread twice. And so that's like, that's the other thing that I've been trying is like, is I can make a good loaf of bread 
and I can make every every loaf of bread be good. Like I, I I've I don't make loaves that fail, but like for me the the there's joy in figuring out how to make a loaf that's reproducible, right? Like mm. it's like, oh, I had a good loaf of bread last week. I need to make a, another loaf of bread that is similarly good this week. Um and and yeah. So yeah, if anyone wants to talk bread, I'd I'd love I'd love to. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had a ton. I love cooking. I have not done very well with bread in my attempts. Um, so I may I may have to hit you up. It's um, for me the thing that my first three loaves of bread were complete failures. Like my 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 second loaf of bread, like I. I, it turned into like this pasty goo. I ended up throwing away the cutting board and the bowl that because it, it just it turned almost into cement. Like I couldn't get it off of anything. It was it was amazing. I, I don't even know what happened. Um, uh, but I have a buddy who who does a lot of bed breaking, and he took he gave me a tutorial, right? And so really, really what unlocked it for me was getting my head and hands on a loaf of bread and feeling what success felt like. And once that happened, it really like kind of set things going for me. All right. So if you know anyone that bakes and you're interested, have them just, well, when you can see people again, uh, when you're, when you're allowed to be around humans again, like have them show you just like what it feels like to fold a loaf of bread. Cause that it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. So we haven't been quarantined in Sweden. No. But I, oh, right, right. I, I just haven't. I don't think I've talked bread with anybody here. It was uh, somebody uh, formerly at SOE that um, sent me a recipe um, when I was doing some some streaming of the news, uh, sort of early COVID. Um, and then Kyle Hill from EQ2 and then DC left the industry to become a pastry chef. So, but I haven't talked to him about bread in a while, dude. Um, Frank. I tell you what, one one last actual question related to this the the EQ subject matter, um, and then you know what I I'd love to have you on here forever. But like say we could wrap this one up, and then um, we'll look for questions in Discord, and then bring you back, um, and then we'll also get you on the get you on air doing with us playing, um, and you're in Discord, right? So. Um, this question is from Frank to Bank. Last one, unless something crazy pops up in chat. Um, you mentioned Matamaram was kind of a collective effort. Were the previous five bosses all you? I, I, I would have a very difficult time saying anything that I worked on was all me, right? Like because we are we're we're teams, and like, and so I don't. I don't know that anything was was all me. Um, uh, that one was was more collaborative than most. But like we we build we built a lot of those stories together, mm-hmm. and um, and when we get stuck, we would check with each other on on like it's like I don't I don't know what to do in this fight. I don't know how this thing is going to work. So I I don't think that anything was ever all me. Um, uh, Madame Maram was probably the most collaborative, but, um, but I don't think anything I would, I would claim and put a flag in and said, I did this. It was all me. I can claim f- sole ownership of it. Um, there might, well, yeah, there might've been a fight in there that somebody else did the scripting on, but I'm not sure. But yeah. 
And, and I mean, that's a good answer. That's what I've been saying on a lot of stuff is like we collaborated so much on, on things and we're such yeah. a team during that period. But yeah. yeah um, even when you, when you worked on something all, all by yourself, it never felt like you worked on it all by yourself. Right. Because you needed, yeah. you needed the, like, we were always supporting each other. We were always talking. We were, we were always helping people solve problems and work through things. So, yeah. And then Frank's response to that was, uh, it's fair. Um, next time be prepared for a walkthrough of anguish because we're going to take a trip down memory lane. So there, they, they keep, we, when we play on Aerodune, they're going to make us play all of our old content. Uh, I, um, I have, such a hard time playing through anything that I've worked on. I still haven't played New Vegas since launch. Like I played through it a ton when it was in development, but since launch, I have not done a full playthrough of New Vegas because when I look at the things that I worked on, all I see are what it could have been, right? Like because everything is shipped too soon. Everything is everything could have used another two weeks or another month or even just another day. And so when I play through the things that I work on, I'm like, man, like if only I'd had like, like that much more time. Right. But maybe, maybe anguish is far enough back that I won't, I won't feel that way. <laughs> Dude, uh, you'll see. I, it was funny. Keebs, I was watching Keebs on his stream um, the other morning and he was like, cool, I'll go, I'll go kill the cursed and trace a temple if you want to see it. And so he went through and triggered everything and, and, and killed it. And I was kind of looking, I was like, I remember that snake man being bigger. Like, I thought this was more impressive. I just, I just watched Keebs annihilated on test in like 10 minutes. So yeah, it'll be fun to see some of that content, but like bunny and others said, we got a couple years uh, before it unlocks. Um, um, one, I had one random memory, uh, when we were talking about, about weird things that happened during gates, um, uh, and this will be my last story. My last anecdote was um, I remember the zones were built to the wrong scale, right? Like I think it had to do with the new tool or something. And so like at launch in, gate, in Gates of Discord, there's there's code based on the zone numbers where if you teleport into them, it scales your character up by like 15% because everything was just a little bit too or down or something because everything was just built a little bit out of scale. Wow. Like that gate, that, that experience had so much working against it. <laughs> when you say so it, that's, that's it. I remember that, but I didn't realize it. That stayed like, I don't like, I was like, Oh crap! I remember that problem, but did that hack stay in? I don't, yeah, I don't know. If, I mean, I imagine it had to stay in, right? Because what what was the choice, right? Like they would have had to scale down the zones, right? Like they that it was the only it was the only option, right? Like so, I imagine there must still be zones that scale people up when when you when you enter them. <laughs> That is amazing, and we'll have to we'll have to see the the current dev team was in one day when we we're waiting for Aerodune to come up the first day, and they were actually digging answers out of the database on a couple of these things. It was like, oh yeah, no, that's still there. So all right, so the absolute absolute last thing um, you can scan ch chat for, and honestly, stay in chat as long as you want, and um, 
talk to um you know talk to the keel folks if you see them in here keep asking your questions uh i think it's fantastic uh people are asking to see your t-shirt oh uh a friend built a friend made this it is uh oscar grouts is a samurai he's got legs <laughs> he's lanky actually in a hakama that is that is a deep ass trash can um <laughs> cool dude akil thank you so much for coming on and um you know if you think of anything you missed and folks if you if you i know folks you're rolling in late we'll have the vod up uh right after i finish the stream i'll, I'll trim it down to the highlights um the highlight being basically a keel and not me talking i'll put it up with the other vods um so if you look here this is where you'll find the collection um and i, I tell you what like uh we'll just kind of go from here and for those of you that are rolling in late if you do have questions um let's get them together let's talk in discord and then we'll just hop back on this was fairly easy to do right Akil? this the you, you just yep. call and you're on the stream. Yeah. Cool. So we'll do it more often. And one request was maybe we have, and I'll try to figure out how to do this, multiple people at the same time. That'd be cool. It'd be, it'd be fun to, to be in here with, you know, with Scott and Rich and, and, uh, and Ryan. That would be badass. All right, dude. Um, all right. Thanks again. I'm going to wrap this up and then uh, I'll, I'll be around. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for the questions. All right. Bye, Kim.